what do you think about women putting on muscle? Every time I talk to girls about working out and all that, that's kind of their first reaction. Like, oh, I don't want to be too muscular. Right. And I'm like, no, like muscles on women are beautiful. Yeah. So what do you think about that? It's a dichotomy, right? When I was growing up, when I was younger, I was one of those girls. I didn't want to build muscle. I naturally have always had um, a muscular upper body and muscular arms. And I was like teased for it growing up. Um, Were you so, teased by boys or girls? Both. Both. But I was still tiny, so I was very small, but I always had muscular arms. And I was, you know, I wasn't super quiet, but I definitely was like easily picked on. Um, so it made me want to shrink. I wanted to be smaller. I wanted to be unnoticed. Um, because if no one was noticing me, no one was bullying me. So as I got older and gained more confidence and things like that, um, I actually fell into bodybuilding and wanting to gain muscle because of social media, because of Instagram. Um, when I was in college, Instagram wasn't like this big thing that it is now, but I remember following a bikini competitor and being like, I want to look like that. I want to have muscles. I want to be defined. She looks super happy on stage and I just wanted to try it. Um, so that's kind of what started my journey and then it just brought in like to a career and like me competing in bodybuilding and me getting my pro card and all of that stuff but it really stemmed from like at first i just wanted to shrink myself and bodybuilding allows me to do the complete opposite to take up space and as you take up more space you get more confident so i didn't like get confident and go into bodybuilding. I went into bodybuilding really kind of unconfident and then it just helps me gain confidence. Um, but I've always had a muscular upper body. So even when women, I'm a personal trainer. So even when women are like, yeah, I want to like lift weights. I want to like get toned, but I want to gain muscle. I don't want to get bulky. And I'm like, what does bulky mean to you? I'm like, because you're only going to get bulky if you're lifting a lot of weight and you're eating a lot. Like women aren't naturally born like with extra testosterone to get super muscular. And like a lot of the way my upper body looks is just from genetics. So yeah, you're built like an athlete. Like you can tell that your body is like, yeah. And I did cheer from five years old all the way up to college. So that's a very gymnastic sport. So that also plays a big role in how my body is shaped. And I think people just assume like I came out the womb looking like this and that's just not the case. Um, not to say I didn't have a good foundation and that mm, overall, like that was what I was kind of bred towards and cheerleading I loved and I was actually really good at that, but that also built a foundation of this is why my body looks like the way it does. So I just want, and I tell my clients all the time, especially my women clients, my goal as a trainer is to build your confidence to where you no longer need me and you can go out on the floor and you can get in a good workout and you can look around and know that like whatever workout you're doing on the floor, you're confident that you're doing it right. You know what you're doing. You don't have to be embarrassed about anything and you don't, you don't need me forever. A good trainer is someone who helps their clients get to where they don't need them. They just like training with them. So, yeah. yeah. So when you have a client for the first time, what's usually the easiest thing that they could change in their mind that will bring them the biggest benefit? when they are starting out? I think the easiest thing you can change is starting small. 
I think everyone wants to revamp their whole routine overnight and it's like you didn't get to that place overnight. I also think that people overlook the fact that you need guidance. People want to try it on their own and not to say like with no disrespect, it's like during quarantine, you had a whole year at home to try it on your own. And, we, and it didn't work. And majority of people, that's just not what their result was. Yeah. So. Do you think that are people just afraid of going with someone or is it the sticker price? Like, cause training is expensive. So what do you think is keeping people from taking that step of reaching out to a trainer and actually getting help? I think it's a mix of everything, right? Not every trainer is gonna be financially available. Um, and I think there's a fear, like what if I hurt myself? What if I embarrass myself? If they do try it on their own, right? So it's kind of like a mix of everything, but I think the major thing is everybody wants to change, but change is really hard. Yeah, it is hard. Like everybody wants to change themselves, but making the change is hard. And it's not necessarily about discipline. It's about building habits that you think are too small for you that actually help you to get to where you're going. Like what are some of those habits that we might overlook? So for instance, I'm working with a client right now and she wants to change her whole routine. She's like, I wanna start waking up earlier, right? So she normally wakes up at eight. She's like, I wanna wake up at 6 a.m. I feel like I would be way more productive. And I asked her, I said, well, what do you do the night before? And she's like, what? And I'm like, well, what do you do the night before? Because when you're in, up in the morning, once you get up late, it's a wrap. So you're rushing. But like, what are you doing the night before that can save you time in the morning? Like, are you, packing up your stuff for work the night before? Are you, I know you like to have like protein shakes. Are you making that the night before? Or like your breakfast the night before? Like what steps are you doing in the morning that you can actually cut out? Have you picked out your clothes for work the night before? It's like those little things because you have so much time at night, people really underestimate how much time they have at night versus in the morning. It's mm -hmm. like, I wanna wake up and be up at 6 a.m. And I'm like, okay, so our goal for the next week is you wake up at eight, I want you to wake up at 7.45. And she's like, 7.45? And I'm like, yes. If you can wake up at 7.45 for a week, then we'll move it up. It'll be 7.30. The week after that, it'll be seven. So it's almost like the same way you're like racking up the weights and doing progressive load, you're doing the same with habits. Yes. You know, I never heard about it like that. And I'm the guy that would say, no, fuck that. You have to wake up at wake 6. Up at no, 6 wake up at 5.30. Like set up your alarm at 5.30 and just get it done. But it's very interesting that you're just looking at it almost as a gradual thing for habits. Because fitness, nutrition, changing your overall health and wellness is a habit change. It's not just, oh, I'm going to wake up and... I didn't wake up and was like, oh, I'm going to wake up and be a bodybuilder. Like I've been doing this for 10 years. I do you still wake up and you're like groggy and like... Some days I wake up and I'm like, I do not want to get up. I want to go back to sleep. This bed is comfortable. I'm like, the fan is going. I'm relaxed. I don't want to get up. But like, you know, I also, I think for me, it's just, it's way more than that. It's a part of my habits, a part of my routine. And like, it's a part of my identity. I think a lot of people don't identify themselves with the healthy person. They want to be that. And they think that that's the future them. It's not them now. But if they started to identify themselves as, I'm the person who gets up early. 
I'm the person who works out. I'm the person who eats healthy. If they start identifying themselves like it before the habit is solidified, then it makes it a lot easier. Yeah. And it actually takes time. I think that's something that people need to hear a little bit more because we look a lot, a lot of, we look at a lot of people on social media and we see them already like 10 years into their professional career and they look right. like a beast. And then I'm like, oh, I'm never going to be like that. But it's that shift of seeing yourself as that type of person that starts with like the first step. That happened to me. And I was talking to Ashan like in our podcast and I was telling him about that. I was always the nerdy kid with the cameras. Mm. I was so skinnier. Like I was super skinny. Like when I came to America, I was 140 pounds and I'm 6'3". Whoa. So So you were very, very lean, limber. Yeah, I was starving. <laughs> like, yeah. I was coming from Cuba. We, we didn't have enough food. And also I tried working out there, but I mean, this was like on some dudes, like on the roof of their house with some like makeshift benches and like it was so you were just like doing what you had to do <laughs> yeah we're doing what we could and i remember like for me to like bench 25 pounds was like a struggle because i was like so skinny and i was always the skinny kid i was smaller and it was not my thing mm. i saw it as a i don't know i think it was a mix of me not being naturally big or strong and I think part of it was just my nutrition. Like mm -hmm. we, I grew up in a communist country, uh, like we struggled to have food. Yeah. Like my breakfast sometimes will be just water and sugar. That would be my breakfast. And sometimes my lunch was like bread and butter. And at night you would have rice and beans and like one fried egg. So like my nutrition was like out the window. But that's because you didn't have any choice. We didn't have anything. But think about it, when that's happening and you try to like work out. It's like, you're defeated. I'm, yeah, and I'm weak and I can't put on weight. So I would keep seeing myself as, okay, I can't win there. So I'm going to win with computers. I'm going to win with cameras and editing. And I, and I love that. So I never saw myself too much as an athletic person. And I play baseball. When I was a kid, I mean, everyone in Cuba plays baseball, so, but I, I played and we used to compete. I was just not a big kid. And when I came to America, it took a while for me to discover all of that. So I took some uh, health and wellness classes in college. So I started learning about macronutrients and like proteins and learn how to read labels. Which is actually a really difficult thing. Like mm -hmm. it's not as easy as health professionals make it like going back because I am in fitness but I went back to school for nutrition so being in grad school you really like dive deep into why people do the things that they do how labels are created why they're created in a certain way and it's not as easy as everybody thinks it is especially the program I was in was focused on health disparities so it's just like Health disparity, what is that? So health disparities is like focusing on populations that um, basically don't have as easy access to nutrition or healthcare in general. And one of my professors told me this and it sticks to me to this day. She's like, your zip code determines your health. And I think that people really don't understand that a lot. Like it does 
it makes a difference how accessible things are to you on how healthy you're going to be. Um, like I know like the new like it term is food deserts and like that's been something that a lot of people have talked about and I agree with it. But I think a more accurate term is calling it a food mirage because there's tons of restaurants, fast food, um, even depending on like what state or city you live in, some like liquor stores can be literally categorized as grocery stores is what I found out, which was so interesting. But you're in a food mirage. Like technically on paper, if the city is drafting up things, it's like, oh, they have a they have food there, they have food there. But it's like, is it a healthy source of food? Is it a fast food? Is it a liquor store that just happens to sell produce? Is it a convenience store that just happens to sell sandwiches? So it's like things like that. And it really made me realize how like privileged I am, but like how inaccessible things are, even though it seems like there's a lot of food in that area, there's a lot of resources in that area. And it's like, no, not really. Or like you'll put in, especially with gentrification, they'll put in what's called green lining, but you'll put in green lining, green lining. So basically it's like where you put in grocery stores or things of that nature that are priced out of the the actual like price range of people that live in that community currently to technically price them out of that community so, so they that they end up moving. So they have to just move out, yeah. So, Interesting, I didn't know that. I, I know a little bit about gentrification, but I didn't know about that. Yeah, part. but it happens, gentrification is not just like moving people out, pricing people out rent-wise, it's pricing people out on like things like groceries and their main necessities and things like that. If you put a Whole Foods in an area or if you put you know, a high-end grocery store in an area that people can't afford a $3 organic apple, you're pricing them out. So what are they going to do? Try and move or access a place where they can afford. Yeah. So what food and kind of general diet would you recommend? I'm thinking right now about making some changes. Right now I'm using the meal prep service. Uh, because it just makes everything so so much easier. I get the meals like once a Which week. Which I advocate for. If you can yeah. if you can afford a meal prep service, yeah. I advocate, especially for like if you're busy. Yeah. Um, but I think it just depends. It depends um, what your schedule is like, what you actually like to eat. Um, because certain things could be healthy, but if you don't enjoy eating them, you're not going to eat them. Yeah. For me, this works, and it's actually it's about ten dollars per meal. Okay, that's so. Helpful. Like I was talking to a friend of mine, and he was like, "Yeah, like even if you go buy your groceries, do your own meal prep, you're almost going to be like spending the same or more if you go to actually buy the food." So, is there a specific meal prep like? Service I don't have a specific service. Do I recommend. you cook like your own stuff? I do, but that's because okay. I enjoy cooking. Like I hate it. Even when I was younger, like kids would watch like cartoons and stuff like that, I watched Food Network Channel. Really? Yes. Like it was on like oh, you're studying nutrition, so Yeah. But I mean at eight years old I wasn't studying nutrition. <laughs> I just true. really was like Well you just naturally like attracted to Yeah, food. just naturally gravitated towards I'm like, oh how can I learn how to cook this or how can I learn how to cook that? So I cook for myself, but that's because I enjoy it. Um, and I enjoy like making up creative recipes and things like that. So. Yeah, my friend Abraham also, he enjoys the whole cooking. He enjoys going to buying the food and then coming. I don't like that. I used to like grocery shopping until quarantine happened and I was like traumatized in a Costco. Why? What happened? It literally took me five hours to get in and out of a Costco because I went like maybe like two or three days before the global shutdown oh. and like thank god there was like a mom and daughter that was 
in front of me because I didn't have a cart, a grocery cart. And they were like, don't leave the line. Like, you mean like your membership card? No, I had my card, but I didn't have like stuff to put my groceries in. And they were like, don't leave the line. Once we get in, you can try and find like a buggy. If not, you can just use ours. Oh, you like, were on a line to get inside? It took me two hours to get inside and then like wow. three hours to get to the front of the register. And like the line was coming outside of the Costco to the back. Wow. And if, if anybody doesn't know how big Costco is, it's a huge it store. Does, yeah. It literally was going to the back. We filed all the way in and the line for the register was from the back of the store. So people just weren't leaving line. We were just filing in from the outside of the Costco into the register line and me and her daughter were like running back and forth grabbing groceries for all of us, yeah. So you just got a little taste of what it is growing up in Cuba. We had to do those lines all the time to, for everything, wherever you went. So that's one of the things that I love about America. There's no lines anywhere. Yeah. And, and it, was, it was funny that during uh, the whole shutdown, I, well, I had to do lines some places and it's like, oh my God, I forgot like what it feels to do this now. So I had a question when you were talking about the nutrition and all that. Mm -hmm. So I'm a guy, I'm trying to put on more muscle. Uh, I'm still kind of skinny. I still could gain a few pounds. What would be a simple like meal prep off the cuff? Like what are the basics that I should try to cover with my meal prep if I'm doing it to gain muscle? Your portion sizes have to be big. Big. Yeah. Like if you can add anything, whether it be like proteins, carbs, fats, like a little bit of anything, like try and increase it just a, a little bit. Okay. So like say for instance, you were having egg whites for breakfast with turkey bacon and that was it. I'd be like, okay, add a carb, add two pieces of bread, maybe add a whole egg, add another piece of turkey bacon. Or like okay. if your lunch was like, oh, I'm doing let's do a typical bodybuilder meal, like chicken, rice, and vegetables, right? I'd be like, okay, how much rice are you eating? If you're eating half a cup, eat a whole cup. If you're eating three ounces of chicken, let's put that to five ounces. If you're having like a half a cup of vegetables, let's change that to a whole cup. So like without having to change anything that you're doing or any of your meal prep, just like, or if you're doing meal prep, like add one more meal in. It's like one of those little small things, but if you do the change over a long period of time, then you'll see like the gain over time, yeah. but it takes time. I think people, like you said before, people look at the highlight reel, but if they really went back through people's storyline, a lot of people keep a lot of their old posts. At this point, the good thing about social media, it's been around for a very long time. So if you really do a deep dive on like your favorite fitness influencer, your favorite nutritionist, if you scroll all the way down to the bottom of their page, you'll see where they started. Like a lot of them don't delete stuff specifically so they can go back and look at it. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I've been doing bodybuilding for 10 years, but it's like, and I've been a cheerleader since I was five. So I've been an athlete for 30 something years at this point, you know, or 20 something years. So, it's just kind of like, if you really want to be inspired, especially by if you have someone that inspires you, go back to like their first post if you can. Like, especially on YouTube, it's so easy. You can literally reorder it from oldest mm -hmm. to new. Like go back to their first post. You'll see how their videos weren't that great of quality, but like your favorite videographer like improved over the years. Mm -hmm. Like, so I think even though social media can be a highlight reel, 
it does show progress if you're willing to search for it and look for it. Yeah. Well, the highlight is only as good as you can make it at that time. So like right. in three, four or five years, it's going to be better. That's one of the reasons why I'm doing the podcast too, because I want to selflessly have interviews with people that I see going places. And then like in five oh, years, yeah. yeah, think about it in five years, like you are going to keep competing. We're going to stay in touch. We're going to sure. keep like talking and, and learning. And then in five years, you're going to be in a whole different place. I'm going to be in a whole different place. And it's going to be awesome to like see Reconnect. that. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Yeah. How do you think uh, social media so far, like everything that you're saying is positive about social media, which I love. That's my attitude towards it. How do you think people can utilize that even better and make it work for them? Because I feel like there's a lot of content out there always talking about, oh, social media is bad. Social media is like destroying everything, like people's self-image and comparing yourself and all that. How do you feel about it? All that stuff was around even when we, even before social media, I just think it was more immediate. So like for instance, me being bullied, I was bullied at school, but I knew as soon as I got home, like there was really no way for them to reconnect with me. Um, or continue to bully me. So I do see that side of it. Like there's no real off button, but it's also like, I do things like my social media has a timer on it, which admittedly I do ignore from time to time. I'm not gonna say I'm perfect. I'd be hitting the ignore button, go right back on it, open up TikTok, open up Instagram. But I also have a rule, like as soon as I go to my bedroom, no social media. So like I, if I'm tired and I need to lay down the phone, the phone's got to go face down. Like I can't be on social media. Um, I also think the comparison thing has always been a thing, especially I think for women, right? You can, we have it too. I th I think okay. Guy, maybe we don't talk so much about it. And th this is funny that this makes me think of a meme that a friend sent me where you have a picture of like a bikini model and the girl, the meme cartoon girl is like, oh my God, I can never be like that. And then you have a picture of like a super strong dude. And then the meme of the dude is like, okay, I gotta go train now. So I feel like for us guys, and, and I'm asking, maybe I'm, I'm probably wrong. We see someone like a strong man and we're like, fuck, I gotta go be like that. And I don't know if women have like the averse reaction where they see a beautiful woman and they feel like, oh, I'm not beautiful enough. I think, and I can only speak for me, I think when I was younger, it may have had more of an effect on me because I was still trying to figure out who I was. So once I got to knowing who I was, then it made it a lot easier um, but even then, like, there's certain things I will do to protect myself from, like, comparison. If, like I'm, if I'm getting ready to compete, like, a week before a show, I will not look at any of the other competitors. Even if I know that they're competing, I will not look at their Instagram. Because we're all running our own race. And, like, the funny thing about bodybuilding is people can look peeled and diced, but it doesn't matter because if you peel or you peak too soon, you could look bad on show day. Because you did it too early and then... Yeah. So it's like, I try not to look at that. I try not to compare myself. I'm human. I'm going to do it from time to time. But I think the difference between women is the switch of inspiration to like, kind of like comparison is very like, 
there's a smaller line versus I think with men in general, it tends to be like, okay, he's where he's here where I want to be and I'm here. I'm going to like work and just keep going until I can get there versus women. It can be like a shorter distance and be like, she's here and I'm here and I'm going to work here and I got really close, but now I'm discouraged. So I'm going to stop. And I think that's where the comparison comes in. I also think that in general, women are told what they're supposed to look like. And for so long, even when I was in bodybuilding, people would be like, why do you want to look like that? Like, you're so muscular, you look manly. Like, why would you want to have muscles like that? And people people talk about people are mean on the internet, but like years ago, people would be say stuff like that to my face and I'd have to just eat it, right? But it was like, Oh, that's really sad. And it used to make me sad. Like I've cried before about it. Like people can be really unintentionally mean because they say, I think with athletic women or with, and I think it happens the same thing with skinny women is they'll make these jokes and it's all fun because in general, because I'm athletic, I'm more widely accepted versus like if we were to do the opposite to someone who was bigger, it's like, oh, well, you're not being body positive. But people do the same thing. I see it happen all the time to girls who are athletically shaped, to girls who are skinny. I just think that now being athletic is more trendy, so I don't get it as much as I used to. Yeah. Have you ever had problems with like dating guys or like has that bring you any like issues or? Um, no, none of the guys that I've ever dated have said like super negative things. I think I may have had one ex and he's an ex for a reason. Mm -hmm. But for the majority, like a lot of the guys or women that say like negative things are usually not people that know me very well. Um, and so it always comes out as a joke. I think people are like kind of too scared to like say what they really feel. So they joke around with me, which it's like, you know, sometimes it's like, all right, well, that's how you feel. And I know I'm not going to be everybody's cup of tea and I'm perfectly fine with that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I do notice I get way more positive like reinforcement now, now that like lifting has become more more accepted and yeah. having an athletic build is becoming more accepted, I definitely get more positive like reinforcement than when I was like younger and couldn't help the fact that my arms were ripped and like stuff like that. So yeah. So what are your favorite muscles to work out and like tell me about your routine? Okay, so right now I'm prepping for a show. So my workout routine is very leg intensive um we've decided my coach has decided that i'm going to stop training upper body so i haven't trained upper body in since june 24th wow and so a couple months august. ago yeah right. so we're in august right now no upper body i haven't look at those bikes <laughs> yeah literally when i tell people i'm like a lot of it's genetics um, which also helped me because I realized that it helped me stop comparing myself to other women because they had a different genetic body type than I did. So I started finding women who looked more like me. That's why I'm glad I did find bodybuilding because it was like a lot of track athletes, a lot of past gymnasts. So they had the same build as me. So I don't really like compare myself to people outside of like what I'm genetically kind of gifted with. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I haven't worked out upper body since June 24th, um, besides like picking up and putting down weights from a client. 
Um, it's pretty leg intensive. So I have like one quad focus day, one hamstring focus day, one glute focus day, and then one where I just like do like banded, like workouts very light. Okay, um, and that's back to back, so like? Like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday is kind of like a lighter-ish day where I'm kind of just like fine tuning whatever I couldn't get to on Monday, Tuesday. And then Thursday is just like a little rest. Friday is just the banded workout. And then Saturday is kind of like a mix of whatever. It's kind of like I feel like I didn't get to on Monday, Tuesday. So Monday, Tuesday are pretty intense. Well, and then my Wednesday, Friday are the like lighter accessory versions. I mean, Wednesday, Saturday and my Friday is like just a mini band workout. Like it literally looks like a warm up, but it's just like. Yeah. So you train legs five to six days a week. Yes. Now with this, would this be my normal workout? Absolutely not. Yeah. But I'm training for a wellness. So the difference between the wellness category and every every other category is the goal is to actually be asymmetrical. They want your lower body to Everything. pretty much dwarf your upper body. And because my upper body is already, so developed, yeah. yeah, it's like I'm basically playing catch up times two. Cause not only do I have to, my legs need to catch up to my upper body, they actually have to dwarf it in terms of like conditioning and size. So it's very interesting, yeah. I came from figure, which is like more of a streamlined look in bodybuilding. So they want like overall defined, like you look very similar to a very conditioned track athlete. Um, so I'm coming from that division to wellness. So it's basically like rebuilding my whole entire structure. Wow. So it's been really interesting. But um, my typical workouts are four days a week do two upper body days, two lower body days. That's like a typical workout week, but we're getting closer to my show. So now it's starting to like, we need to be more intentional about, cause I won't at a certain point, once we start cutting my calories, I'm not gonna be able to lift as heavy. So that Monday and Tuesday, how brutal does it get? Like, do you train like all out, about to puke type workout? Or? I'm not about to puke type person. I will train all out though. Monday, like Monday, because I usually have a really good amount of energy, I'm gonna utilize it to the best of my ability. That's usually one of my longer training days. How, how long? Mm, like 70 to 80 minutes, so like a little bit over an hour, like maybe possibly. If I'm moving slow in between sets, it'll go an hour and a half, but I try and keep it to 70, but I'm really like pushing, like pushing weight, pushing sets pushing reps on Monday. Tuesday is like kind of a repeat, but for different body parts. Yeah. So uh, quad is the front of the leg for mm -hmm. people who don't know. And, and then hamstrings, hamstrings the back. The back. Um, so hamstrings all like power through on Tuesday. Um, that same time frame, pretty intense. Um, Wednesday is like more accessories. So it's just kind of like a little bit of quad, a little bit of hamstring, but it's definitely not as intense. It's kind of just like, tuning up whatever I felt like I could have maybe pushed a little bit harder on Monday or maybe pushed a little bit harder on Tuesday. Um, and then Wednesday, yeah, so that's Wednesday. Thursday is just a rest day. Um, and then Friday is literally a mini band workout that's maybe like 15 minutes. Hmm. Um, so it's almost like rest. Yeah, pretty much like, cause it's just like a full rest day, active rest right. day. And then, and then Saturday, Saturday you did strong again. Yeah. And then Sunday you rest. Completely rest. Like then, no working out at all. 
Yeah. And I have an off day from work. So it's like a complete rest day for me. What do you like to do on like that? Do you go lazy Sunday? Oh yeah, lazy Sunday, veg out. I'll go to brunch with my friends or I'll just like hang out on the beach or I'll literally just hang out at home and watch tons of, I'm a YouTube fan. Yeah, what do you like to watch? I love watching YouTube vloggers. I just love watching really? them. Yes. Like who? I love Aaliyah's face. She's one of my favorites. I By the way, I'm asking, I, the only guy I know is like Casey Neistat. Okay. Who's like a filmmaker, okay. vlogger. I know nobody else. Love Aaliyah's face. Love um, Maya Galore. I love um, Linda's son. She's one of my favorites. She's um, She does what I eat in a week, but she does it in such a like storytelling way it's like i literally watched like almost all her videos since she's i think she's one of the newer youtubers i watch she's only been on youtube for maybe like two years but she has like eight hundred thousand followers wow and then um megan mckinley the megan mckinley i love doing uh watching her vlogs she just started but they're really good yeah. i just really love watching people live their lives and i love watching like what I eat in a day. Yeah. And then I also watch um, Abby Sharp. She's a nutritionist and she reviews like YouTubers and bloggers like what they what eat. What about you? What's, are you? Have you thought about doing your own vlog and all that? I have. I have thought about YouTube. It's really been on my heart for this year. So eventually that's like one of the projects I want to start. Okay, so next week you're shooting your first vlog? Okay. All right, cool. Next week I'm shooting okay. my first vlog. It may be on my phone and I'm I'm saying it out loud. It may not be the best quality, but I'm going for it. Hey, as soon as you do it, it's almost you like- You put me on the spot, so now I yes, have to. Yes, I love doing that. I did the same with Ashan. He was like talking about like his dreams and stuff. I'm like, okay, so now you have to do that that you said that you wanted to do like before the year ends. So yeah, I think I, I love YouTube. I watch a lot of YouTube. I watch more like filmmaking stuff, okay, obsessed sure. with cameras. So I watch every video about Yeah, like camera. your yellow camera. I was like, that is so dope. I've never seen anything <laughs> like that. Yes, so uh, YouTube is one of those things that I love so much, but I, I never have been able to do it consistently enough so it actually mm -hmm. grows. Mm -hmm. And it's something that I'm really disappointed in myself for letting that opportunity go by for so many years, because I started making YouTube videos back when I came to America. Uh, I came about 10 years ago, and then I started making, actually making videos for the YouTube channel, like after about two years. Okay. But it's so hard. It's, it's almost as hard as working out and all that. I think it's harder. Yeah, in a, in a way. Because I feel like a lot of people don't give them credit. Like it's a full-time job. And like yeah. the editing alone is just intimidating. Yes. Like. I'm like, color correcting, editing, splicing, you gotta change the frame every two seconds. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, Yeah, it's tricky. But I, I really like, the only guy that I used to watch his vlogs and stuff for fitness uh, is Ross Dickerson. I don't know if you know him. Uh-uh. With fitness, I don't like to follow a lot of people. So this is my approach. I started working out and then I have a friend who became a trainer we, he's one of my best friends. We came from Cuba together. Okay, I love so it. So he was like short, skinny, and then he became a monster, like so muscular. He he has competed. Uh, shout out to Miguel. Like hey, he's amazing. Miguel. Yeah, I'll connect <laughs> you two guys. 
he's amazing. Now he's a trainer for people who go train and win competitions. Like, and then I started asking him, and then he said, okay, you have to do, he, he made it very simple. He said, kind of what you were saying, you gotta eat more, you gotta eat a lot, you gotta eat this protein thing, this other like uh, BCAs and whatnot, and then go and watch this guy. So he introduced me to Ross Dickerson. Okay. And I started watching his videos. Super funny guy from the UK. But the way he was making the videos really made me understand that it was a long-term process. Because in those videos, he would talk about kind of what you were saying of, you know, you have been training like this for 10 years. Right. So when you look at that, then I can see myself as a normal guy. I can get to that. Yes. And in my case, like, I'm not going to dedicate the time and energy that it to takes get, yeah. to look like that. But just seeing the behind the scenes, in a way, it makes me feel more in control. Mm. Because when I can see the work that you're putting in to get the results that you're getting, then I almost feel like it's not like Carrie is like a, a supernatural inhuman person that has this God-given like physique. No, it's built. Right. So if it's built, it's something that I can build towards. So I would love to see your process doing your vlog and all that. And I think it probably would help a lot of people. So Okay. I, I do need to do it. I think, and that's the mentality I wish everyone had, right? Like, I see the behind the scenes. I see all the time that's been put in. If they can do it, I can do it too. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people, especially nowadays, we're like, we're like, oh, 30 days to lose your gut, 30 days to snatch your waist and grow a butt and like all this stuff. And for certain people, I'm not going to deny it. Certain people can change their physique in 30 days. Can most people change their physique in 30 days? No. And so I think that's also what makes it harder is because a lot of women aren't saying, I've been in this for 10 years. Unless it's like a major big influencer, right? Like... And you're like, oh, okay, I can see you've been in. But like a lot of women aren't saying, oh, I've been in this for 10 years. I work out, I've worked out five days a week for the past two years. Or I've tracked my macros for the past 90 days. I don't think people really like get into it because it's not sexy. Yeah, it's boring. Like I cannot do the macro thing. Like, uh, like if that's the thing that like as a, as like an influencer, I feel conflicted because I'm like, if people really saw what my workouts look like, they'd be bored. Cause I do the same thing until it doesn't work anymore. Like even when I'm prepping for a show, I have a coach. We change my program maybe once every eight weeks. In that eight weeks, if it's still working, we're not changing it. So like even the drastic changes I'm making, like my program's changing once every two months. I'm not changing my program every 30 days. I'm not changing my program every two weeks. Like we're changing my program every eight weeks. When I was really like new to bodybuilding, my programs changed once every like three months. I may got may have gotten a new program once in a whole entire prep. Also, even for me, like being in shape, my preps are like seven months long, five months long. Like wow. it's not like I'm not grueling and like dying for seven months. I think people think that's what I'm doing, but like, no, it's like I'm tracking my macros for seven months. I'm intentionally working out for seven months. I'm intentionally changing my mindset to visualize me winning for seven months. I'm going to sleep on time for seven months. I'm, 
I'm saying no to certain things. I'm saying yes to keep balance for certain things for seven months. Like it's a lot that goes into it. And I think people think because I'm in shape, I take two, I do an eight week prep and I get on stage. It's like, no, if I'm doing an eight week prep, it's because I did a seven month prep before that. And it's eight weeks since my last show. I think people don't, like they see people who can compete back to back, but like that person probably started prepping four months ago. Yes, she did three shows in a row, or yes, she did five shows in five months, but she prepped for five months prior before she hit the stage. And she still had to be intentional after she got off of the stage, like, okay, what's my plan? So I think even with like something that's so aesthetic, like bodybuilding, I think people just like, chuck it up to like, oh, well, they're just in shape. Or like, I'm a natural athlete and people get super surprised when I tell them that because they're like, they just chuck it up to, oh, well, she's just taking performance enhancing drugs. And it's like, no, I never have. So people get, oh yeah, no, I'm like really grinding it out just like you are. I get tired just like you do. Like I'm not doing anything extra that you can't do. Yeah. So, yeah. So how do you feel about that and what have you seen I don't, I don't know much about uh, drugs and all that. I think for guys, probably it's a more common thing that guys do that. I've never been exposed to that. Tell me a little bit more about that. I think like my exposure has been very minimal and I kept it that way intentionally. Um, I don't judge people for doing it. I know certain people, this is how they make a living. Like whether it's them looking a certain way to have a competition prep team or they're looking a certain way so they can win shows and get sponsorships and stuff like that. I don't judge people for that. Like if that's what you feel you need to do and you're okay with it, you're not hurting anyone else or hurting yourself, then by all means do what you feel you need to do. Um, my federation is not as regulated. Certain shows are regulated where they like test you. Um, but not all shows are like that. And like, I I'm very much like with all things, like for other people, I'm very much, you live your life, you make your own choices. It just wasn't for me specifically because I'm adopted. My mom, my birth mom was addicted to drugs. We have that addiction in that runs in my family yeah. and I don't want to ever test that out in any type yeah. of way. I'm not ever trying to test that form of discipline. Yeah. So for me, my decision to stay natural was because when you are so close to something that's so detrimental, you don't ever want to give that experience to someone else or experience it yourself. Unfortunately, that's like the tragic part of having someone who was addicted because that addiction never goes away. It's a disease. Mm -hmm. So for me, it may, people may not see it that way, but for me, that's what it was. So that's why I was like, yeah, no, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it my way. And it doesn't include that. That's interesting. How does uh, being adoptive has like informed your life and like your experiences and all that? Um, my family tree is super complicated. Um, although I am adopted, I was adopted by my aunt and uncle, my dad, RIP. Um, but I was grew up like they were my mom and dad. They never treated me any different. Um, but my family was because I had adopted at four years old. So I was kind of aware, but not enough, but enough to where they sat me down. Say Everybody that. was like, OK, this is what we're doing. This is what we feel is going to be a better life for you. You are now going to live with them. 
and they never told me to call them mom and dad. That's just something I called them, and they've been my mom and dad, yeah. you know? Um, but I do see that side of addiction. You can't help. There's certain things that come along with that, like lying and feeling like you need to steal or unintentionally hurting people or because you're not in your right mind. Mm -hmm. And because I was so close to my family and my birth mom at the time, um, and she, she's still, she's such a good person. I wouldn't take any of that away from her for her to be able to give, literally be like, hey, my sister can take better care of yes. my, my baby than I can and her be okay with it. I think that that was like a thing. Even my dad, before he passed, they had a, him and my birth mom had a very close relationship. And I'm grateful for that because he was able to give her something I couldn't, which was forgiveness as a parent. I've never been a parent. I don't have kids. So he gave me a gift and gave her a gift because he forgave her well before I ever did. And then that allowed me to. So it's, it's you know, it's very complicated, but in a way it works. And I yeah. think, you know, everything happens for a reason. Um, yeah, I had something kind of similar uh, where my mom was an alcoholic and my birth, my father was that too. So they had a lot of turmoil and like, so I didn't meet my dad until I was like 13. Mm -hmm. That's when I first met my father and we had a very short relationship for like a couple of years. And then we had problems and we kind of got separated, separated away. So, uh, but my stepdad, he's my dad. So like he raised me and like, he's an amazing dad. And, yeah. Uh, so when I was a kid, it was more of a, of a thing that I thought about. And, you know, I think it's kind of what you were saying before, like when you're younger and you don't really know who you are, other things like that can mess with you a little bit more for sure uh but then after i got older i kind of accepted that and you know it's is there in the back of my head like i know that it's there but i don't see any major like trauma or anything like that and i'm trying my best as a dad to be there with my kids as much as i can uh but i think Experiences like that can be very beneficial to use them as fuel. Oh, for sure. Because I'm pretty sure that when you're pushing and all that, you're thinking of all the people around you and like how amazing it is for your uh, family now to see you grow and compete and do all of those things. Yeah. So. My dad was like one of my biggest supporters. So it was like, I took a three year hiatus from bodybuilding. And when he passed, I was like, I just want to do something that he would know makes me happy that he would be happy to be a part of and just kind of like also I think when you lose someone that close you just want to try and figure out how your life can get back to normal and it just helped I mean it helped me realize like even though things are going to be hard life will still go on and he would have wanted that for me so that's why I love bodybuilding so much because it was something we connected on like he loved watching me do a show and like he would sit there all day. Bodybuilding shows are long. You're there like all day, you know? Like you have pre-judging then you have to come back for finals. And like, he was just excited to be there. Like, this is awesome. So yeah, I think it's like a lot of my health and wellness journey is from like 
negative and positive. It's not just all negative that fueled me. It's not all positive that fueled me. It's just like, I kind of used both. Like, even when I'm like working out, like when I'm working out, I can lift, if I'm angry, I can lift heavy, but when I'm focused, it's completely different. And I think that's like the major difference. Like when I'm focused, I'm like supernaturally strong and it doesn't necessarily have to be on anything negative, but when I'm really visualizing what I'm, my goal is, it gives me like super, I feel like She-Hulk when I'm in the gym. I'm like, oh, I can lift everything. <laughs> That's funny. Do you train just with your coach? Do you train with friends? How does that go? So I have a workout partner that I train with sometimes when she's in town. She's been a little bit MIA. Sorry, don't mean to blast. I'm not gonna say her name because I want to blast her. But um, I usually have a workout partner, but I also, I train by myself. Like for a lot of years, I've like didn't work out with anyone. Um, and my coaches have always lived in a different state than me. So my programs have mm -hmm. always, except one year when I lived, because I'm originally from Denver, Colorado. So I think one year when I competed, I lived in Denver and my coach was in Denver. But even before like online was like a thing and like people were sending me like my workouts and stuff through like Google Docs and emails, like my coaches have always lived in a different state. But yeah, even currently my coach is in Arizona and then I live here in California. So that's very interesting. You are a trainer, but when you compete, you have a coach. Mm -hmm. What can a coach do with your training and everything that you could not do by yourself? Like technically wise, like skill wise, I can coach myself if I wanted to, but I think that there's, for me, I need someone to be accountable to. Um, it's easier, I know this sounds bad, and I think maybe this is why I'm like an advocate of people like seeking guidance, is it's easier for me to disappoint myself, but I cannot disappoint other people. Like, if someone's relying on me to do something, I'm gonna be there. Like. That's one thing my friends can tell you about me. Like if we ask Carrie to do something, she doesn't show up. So I think it's just like with a coach, there's a level of accountability that, not to say I couldn't do it by myself. I probably could prep myself and stay disciplined, but I don't like letting people down. So it's like a foolproof way for me to like make sure I'm on my stuff. Like I have someone watching me. I have someone that is checking in with me. I have someone to bounce ideas off of because um, I think coaches even now are very like approachable. You can ask them questions. Like my coach every week is like, are there any questions you have for me? Is there anything I can be doing better? And it's literally every single week asks me that. What is something I can be doing better? Is there any questions you have for me? Um, and you can just I think also with competition prep, it's so easy to kind of get inside your head and be like, I'm not making progress, I'm not making progress. And it's nice to have somebody who's outside, not dieting, has their sane mind, has all their faculties, they're not tired, they're not hangry, can be like, yes, you're making progress, or oh, no, you need to kick it up a notch. Mm -hmm. What would you recommend people uh, look for in a coach? Because like, I've been thinking about that uh, and I'm actively considering in, like I need someone to like put me on something and part of it is the accountability but also like I just don't know like I'm, I'm not a fitness person I'm just like a, guy, a random guy. So I ask like how long have you been in the industry? Who have you worked with? Like for me with bodybuilding you can ask like who have you worked with? 
how long have you been in the industry? But what about for the regular person? For your regular person, I would ask like, what are your credentials? Like, have you gone to school for this? Do you have a certification in this? Like, what makes you an expert besides getting yourself in shape? That's all great. And that's great if you've been able to get yourself in shape. And not to say you can't help other people, but like, are you certified in this? What are you certified in? What is your ideal client? Because if you ask someone what their ideal client is and they describe someone who's not you, you may not be the client for them and they may not want to tell you. But like, what are your specialties? You know, how, like, how do you check in with your clients? Are you like, how do I get feedback from you? How often are we going to speak? How do I access you? Like certain, certain coaches will be like, I'm accessed 24 seven. Certain coaches are like, I'm accessed Monday through Friday, these times through these times. Like, what is your check-in process? One good question I think everyone should ask, whether it be a personal trainer, whether it be a nutritionist, whatever you're going for, if I don't make progress, how do you go about changing that? Because everybody can promise you results. Okay, so what if I check in with you two weeks in a row and I'm not making progress? What would be, what would be your first steps to helping me change that? Or what would be your first steps in your program? What does that look like? Because everybody can plan for ultimate results, but a lot of people don't plan for obstacles, and that's including coaches as well. That's very good. So it's like that one question I would ask, like, if I'm not making progress, how do we reroute my program? Or how do you make changes to that? Or what is the conversations we have around that if I feel I'm not making progress? How do you feel about those trainers that you see them and they're not in shape? Can they still be effective? Yeah. Um, Why they're not in shape? I feel like there's a science behind training and you don't have to be in shape to be a scientist. But if you're not in shape, you've got to have some good marketing skills on why I should train with you. Like if you're not in shape, why should I train with you? And you should not take offense to it because you're not in shape. And unfortunately, the fitness industry is aesthetic. People visually go for first what they, you know, who they wanna work with. If you aren't in shape, you should know that it's probably gonna be a harder sell for you to get a new client. You also need to know that you need to know your stuff 10 times more because to me at the end of the day fitness is a science it's very science backed but there's tons of scientists that have never trained anybody and probably wouldn't be good trainers and there's tons of trainers who probably are not good at training because they don't know the science so if you are a trainer and you're not in shape it's just like you have to be honest with yourself that it may be harder for you represent what you actually can do for someone mm -hmm. but that's when you lean into your strengths um so it's like if you, yeah, it's like if you are not looking the part, then you need to know every single thing about the science because that's what it, it truly is at its core. Mm -hmm. So Carrie, if you could do anything in your life and there's time is not an issue, money is not an issue, what would you like to do? Someone just asked me this question and I literally couldn't answer it then. Um, Time to do some thinking. Yeah, I guess I have to think on it. Yeah. I'm like, I feel like I have so many dreams in my head, it's hard mm -hmm. to pick one. So pick one. Like, I'm like, if I could do anything, it's like, I would be a nutritionist, a vlogger, I would be on Food Network. It's like, all okay. those things. 
just combine them all. Maybe you could be a vlogger that gets a show on the Food Network about nutrition, but you're fit and super strong. Yeah, maybe I could do all that, yeah. That sounds pretty fun. I'm here for it. Well, Carrie, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. I had so much fun.